0: Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to
1: learn how to grow your firm by providing virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. Okay, welcome to today's episode. I'm Tom Waddleton. I'm a virtual CFO at Summit CPA Group, a division of Anders CPA and Advisors. Um, I'm joined as usual by Adam Hale, a partner at Anders CPA and Advisors. Welcome, Adam. And also John and John is the founder and CEO of Humoriso, an HR outsourced global consulting firm. John, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the company and then we'll jump into other topics?
0: Sure. Thanks, Tom. Um, uh, Humoriso, uh, as you shared, is an HR consulting firm, and we have been around for over 10 years, um, providing all kinds of HR support to organizations uh, across the country. Uh, a lot of that work um, really being done either in partnership with HR practitioners that are working within an organization, or even for organizations that have no HR presence internally, uh, they'll lean on us for HR support. Uh, and I have been involved with human resources for a little over thirty years. I know it's shocking if you're looking at me and that <laughs> yes. it's been long. Uh, but it has been, and, uh, I am originally from the Philadelphia area. And so got my start, uh, in the late eighties, uh, at, uh, in big box retail. Um, and so started it for a, uh, department store there, uh, and then just moved through various industries, uh, through the years up into. Primarily strategic HR roles, um, for the, for the last. Mm, probably 16 years of my career before yes. I started humory. Okay. So,
1: again, over. So your summer. career trajectory in HR started inside companies as an employee doing HR activities yes. and then got to the point where you're working with Absolutely. multiple companies.
0: It wasn't called HR back uh-huh. then, Tom. It was called.
2: Oh, I do remember
1: that. Yes. I was- <laughs> oh, yeah, I do actually. Yeah.
2: Good call. Yeah. Good call. The uh, you know before we get started though there's just something that I got to get out of the way because we were discussing before we jumped on here like his uh, superhero yeah. if he'd slide to the side there. His his great artwork back there. So we were having a small debate on who the best superhero was, and John, I have to say that your name alone just kind of speaks like you would be That's in true. one of those jo, John John Baldino that. right yeah. that or a mobster movie yeah. right like one yes, or the other. I can
0: talk
1: about um, the mobster. He s- he did say Philly <laughs> and, and all that stuff. So there's there's a there's a, there's a type test right I know,
2: there. yeah. So it's, so so there's some of that. Um, but you know, I had I had said who my you know, number one superhero was, because I just think that he's, you know, undefeatable, which would of course be Mm -hmm. Superman. I know everybody listening would agree with me, but what I didn't hear before we started, like if you could be a superhero or who you think the best one is just real quick, before we jump into it, just so people can get an understanding of who you actually are to decide whether they want to keep listening or not.
0: This is absolutely (laughs) the litmus test of my veracity as a professional. (laughs) Right. Uh, I'm, I'm the Spider-Man guy, always have been. Oh, interesting. Oh,
1: okay. yeah. your, so what's the, good, what is good, your main reason yeah. of saying you'd want to be Spider-Man?
0: Um, I love, uh, I mean, a couple of reasons. One, I just love the idea of um, the, the extraordinarily ordinarily, ordinary being accidentally given an entire different trajectory of life. Right? One spider bite and mm-hmm. my entire world changed, right? Um, I think it's pretty cool. And, and um, he is one of the only superheroes where you don't see any of his skin. And so anybody oh. can be Spider-Man.
1: Interesting. Oh, well,
2: there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, you passed the test. This is now. This is. This feels like it's a good segue into how you got yeah. started. Um, yeah. <laughs> you just the ordinary it's to extraordinary, no right? Yeah, like, <laughs> so, so I have not um, so talk
0: to where I
1: am, Spider Man. I'm hoping
0: to ultimately find that that universe. Yes, I want to find. Continue
1: to pick up egg sex <laughs> and get bit over and over and go through the trauma without the superhero, huh? <laughs> That's
2: right. What I do, what I do think is extraordinary, though, um, John, and, and the reason why we wanted to have you on the show. Is because what what I think is atypical in your space, uh, at least it has been for us. So delivering virtual CFO services and the financial side to clients um, for us in the way that we do it is pretty unique. I think more and more firms are starting to kind of catch on to being more advisory and being able to offer, you know, this this spectrum of services from the very tactical to the advisory, um, you know, strategic right. level. Um, you know, they they live in different spots there, but rarely. Um, Whenever we would engage with a client, you know, sometimes, like you said, they had internal resources in HR, like finance, though, a lot of times they were just people that it became an and Mm -hmm. job and they handle payroll, and they handle benefits administration. Um, and some of it's due to the size of the company, right? Like if it's not if it's not big enough, then maybe it doesn't warrant having us or you involved, albeit they could probably use us at different degrees. But I think what was unique that whenever, and, and the reason why I cling to you so fast is because most of the time I would find just individuals out there that were really good at one or the other. Um, and, and most of the blocking and tackling was done by, You know you'd have to go to the payroll company or the you know you would go to the peos of the world and i mean i couldn't tell you how many times whenever i'd call them and ask them a question and they'd never know the answer and they'd say well you got to ask your CPA. And I'm like, uh, that's me. And no, the payroll person should know this answer, which is the reason why I'm on the phone with you, because this is what you do every day. Um, you know, whenever it came to pay, you know, to benefits administration and all those kind of things. So uh, again, what I found really unique and love to kind of dig into kind of your thought process and how you built that out, and we can maybe talk about some of the service lines. But um, is that you were able to scale to more than just you or two people. Like you have a good size company and you have that spectrum of services where you can kind of help somebody with, you know, again, the day-to-day blocking and tackling all the way up to some of those strategic services that are also desperately needed um, from the company. So again, I do think that you've already hit the extraordinary from my perspective, because again, I just don't run into that a whole lot. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey and how that started? Did it start with? doing the blocking, tackling or where did that, where did that go? First of all,
0: thanks. I mean, really all jokes aside, thanks for the way in which you said that. And, and I mean, it really started, uh, I look at it in a couple of different ways. First, I think when it comes to the way in which an organization receives human resources. And what I mean by that is um, when I sit within an organization, what's my, what's my vibe of HR. If HR is only the police, Hmm then that's all they'll ever be. And so they're going to run around and be the employee compliance police. Now that's not to say that compliance doesn't matter. It's to say though, that if the context of compliance is that's the beginning, middle and end, it's a stunted view and it really does a disservice not only to HR as a discipline, but to each employee's experience of what work ought to be like. That being said, you have to earn the right to be heard. And so in an organization, how do you do that? Well, you have to know your stuff. You got to know, to your to your question, Adam, about the blocking and tackling, you got to know the blocking and tackling. Mm-hmm. I got to know that when someone comes to me and says, um, I just found out that I'm pregnant. I want to know what what leave will be like. It's not today. It's down the road. And if if immediately my response is, oh, it's over. <laughs> Just stop. you don't don't worry about the fact that I don't know what the compliance is. Let me go look it up. You already told them what the spirit of compliance is going to look like, right? And I yep. think that that there are too many HR people um, who, ugh, a whole lot. And so what I noticed in my own journey within human resources um, and the last role that I had before I left to. to start Humoriso was VP of HR for a national bank. And, and I would run into other, you know, banking professionals, uh, in this space who were just no fun. <laughs> they just were a horrible <laughs> human beings. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> um, except when they went to the annual, you know, bankers and insurance <laughs> yeah. convention. Oh, sure. <laughs> right then they were the life of the party, um, for about 10 minutes before they passed out. Uh, and uh, uh, lightweight. and and uh, uh, it was like, why? How come you can have ten minutes of of an approachable personality there, but the rest of the year you you're just in your office, door shut, sitting at your desk. Ugh, that is just not the way HR is supposed to function. So I saw that reality. And I would also say I saw the reality of outsourcing when I started, as I said, you know, a long time ago, uh, in personnel. We were doing payroll in house, mm-hmm. literally, you know, the big book of the tax grids because Pennsylvania is very complicated, and so you know, yes, right, like the right the school tax, the local tax, and we had like two rulers to line up to find what that percentage mm-hmm. was going to be, and you know. like you were doing that well. What ultimately happens? More organizations are using payroll platforms, outsourcing that liability, bringing in technology to make the, the function of payroll easier, not only for finance, but for the employees who receive the pay. You know, we're, we're at a place today where everybody's got an app and they can look at their pay stubs right on their phone and they can do this and that. It, it has traveled a path from that initial outsourcing. When I was in personnel, again, all that time ago, we had major medical. We weren't really doing all the huge benefit plans for employees, for health benefits, that sort of thing. HMOs were there, but everybody was a little freaked out about them. Who pays two dollars to go to a doctor? What the heck is this? Right. So those things started to um, influence um, a comfort around outsourcing. And again, carrying that forward, I thought there's too many organizations that are under 100 employees that aren't going to hire a VP of HR level expert to come in and help set their organization up for success in that discipline? Because it wouldn't be financially prudent they can't afford right. that level of expertise. Right. So what if we built something where they could access that level of expertise in an outsourced model, the way in which they're accessing that level of expertise in a payroll platform, in a benefits administration connection through a brokerage, and that's where himariso was born out of, and so we took—I took a shot to see if my hunch was right, and you know, here we are, and it's—it's it's, you know, it's that's been right. A, that's a
1: great story, and I'm
0: sure over time, <laughs> yeah, you found no, the acceptance
1: a, it, of more and more outsourced and it, listening to them, an advisor is coming up so much that people are used yeah, to mean, doing that now. Ten years ago was probably a challenge, wasn't it?
0: That's right. That, well, and it's it's funny too, because one of the things that I would say as well, so this is, is true, right? So I left the, the organization I was with January, I'm sorry, July 31st, 2012. And uh, August 1st is when Humoriso started the next day. But I I went to breakfast the next morning with someone that I knew was a CEO of an organization. He was like, I want to pick your brain to see why you know you left. Because I, I, I didn't have to leave. We were doing great work. Good stuff was happening. And I'd breakfast with him and told him this vision. And he said, Awesome. How do I sign up to have you come in and be a <laughs> part of it. my company? So I left breakfast that next morning, honestly, not even have, I didn't even have Humoriso like filed at yes. the state yet, right, as a company. And, and so I say that to say, um, it was such an immediate, very like, w- what a kind blessing mm-hmm. for me to get that immediate validation that this could have legs, right? And I agree with you though, Tom, like as the years have gone on now, um, so many more people are comfortable yeah. with various types as you, you know, as both of, you know, as well, right. With yes. outsourcing.
2: Yeah. Outsourcing, not having to be physically in the lo- I mean, so yes, they're okay. And they understand that there's, um, it, you know, there's, there's not only a need, you know, so from a financial perspective, it, it makes sense, but sometimes it's a trade-off. Right. But, but the the one thing there is is it's not only the cost of the person that's there you have you take care of all the employee drama because you've got that all on your side if there's turnover you know you've got that kind of built in you're managing that but i think the other thing that people don't think about a lot of times is the project yeah. management so whenever they bring in like a controller or if they brought in an hr person from your standpoint it's like but who's their resources and who's watching over them and making sure those things are getting done yeah. on a regular basis. And with with your company and with our company, what we're able to do whenever we go into a situation like that is they have a team of a network around them and that project management kind of already built into it. So they have layers of support, both upstream and downstream to be able to help them and being able to bundle that in a fractional manner, um, even though it's a, again, it's a it's a subscription, you know, a fractional piece to a, a broader team. That's really what most of these small businesses need. Now, whenever you get to 500 or 5,000 employees, well, sure. Now it makes sense to just bring us in for little, you know, small projects and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, we, we were in the exact same boat and kind of had that same validation. And I, you know, agree with like over the years, it's just gotten, you know, where people almost expect it or mm-hmm. really demand it, you know, cause they don't want to do that.
0: And I would say, um, when i started i thought small to l- lower mid-market size organizations r- were going to be really the audience for me and uh i wasn't wrong right though certainly that that uh group of organizations are my audience but what's been really interesting to see as the years have gone on is how far upstream it's gotten that enterprise level organizations are reaching out saying can you bring that expertise i i had a conversation with I can't say the company, but a really, 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 really big company, really big company, said, uh, can you come in and work with our organization uh, on workforce planning? And I said to him, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? You have 300 people on the HR team. And his response was, they don't know how to do that.
2: Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's sometimes even in those bigger situations, it, and, and oftentimes it's just that outside insight too, right? Like a professional or an expert sometimes is just somebody yes. from out of town with a suitcase. Right. You know, there is a lot of uh, legitimacy sure. to somebody from outside the organization being able to come in and say the same thing. Everybody's looking around the table going, that's what we've been yeah. talking about right. for the last couple right. of years. <laughs> but now all of a sudden everybody's listening. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely value to that yeah. as well. But, um, you know, not to say that you wouldn't bring in additional insight yeah. and a different perspective of doing stuff, but I'm just saying in general, I think there's a ton of value um, as it relates to that.
0: But Are you interested in offering virtual CFO services at your firm or scaling your existing service offerings? The Virtual CFO Playbook, How to Land $60,000 a Year Clients and Provide a Killer Client Experience is an online series of modules that will equip you with essential tools for creating and delivering scalable VCFO services. These approaches have helped Summit CPA grow from $500,000 to upwards of $5 million in revenue over the past decade. If you're ready to grow your firm, visit summitcpa.net slash VCFO playbook to enroll now.
2: Uh, just kind of shifting gears a little bit. I think what would be um, what would be kind of a cool way to take the conversation? We can kind of move things around a little bit, but um, is to kind of break down some of the services that you provide because again, that's what attracted me to to your team and everything was that it's like, oh well, for us, we'll do payroll. so we don't do the payroll. You know the actual like paying the liabilities and stuff like that everybody Mm -hmm. should be using a platform like gusto or adp you'd like name the software it doesn't really matter but there's still an administrative component that that has to be done with that you know even peos that are hands-off or oftentimes not even remotely close to being hands off. So, so there's, so there's a lot to that. Um, And so we'll handle that administration. We'll update people's stuff. We'll pay it, but we have to be very explicit in there. And actually in our SOW, we have this thing that says, we are not HR administrators. We do not do benefit administration. We do not, you know, man, we, we can't do that stuff. That's not in our wheelhouse. Whereas whenever I was talking to you, you do that. And then you kind of, you built upon all those things. So you can handle the payroll administration, which we would (laughs) gladly (laughs) off like send to you. So, So thank you. But then on top of it, a parallel service that makes sense naturally. And the reason why we had so much client confusion was because naturally then it's like, well, then you also handle the benefits administration. It's like, no, we don't. But with you, you do. So can you kind of talk to us about kind of the differences there and how those services work? You just, you know, problems and and, and things of that nature. I mean, I would say
0: just to sort of set the table, I'd say from a um, service category standpoint, we, we really function in five areas. And, and the first area we've been talking about, which is compliance and administration, right? So that is gonna be very much considerate of law, case law, uh, policy, looking at city, state, federal, you know, again, not, not that I wanna keep harkening back to when I was in personnel, but it was so much simpler then as far as law was concerned because most of it was federal. There was a little bit of state, very little city. The only little bit of city that we ever really had to work about, worry about, was taxation, mm-hmm. right? If you were in Philadelphia, you had wage tax, so that that made a, you know a difference into how you did some process, but it really didn't affect employment law. Well, fast forward, we even have municipalities that now you know are passing things that affect employment-related relationships. And so it, it is a very robust component when you're thoughtful about being compliant and what that means. Add on to the fact that we have more organizations that are distributed because of the net effect for many organizations of the pandemic. Um, we yeah. already had, oper- as Humoriso, we actually were already a distributed workforce. We were operating in that model before the pandemic. That actually was really great for us, not only to keep things steady internally, but we were so familiar that all of our clients that needed to make this transition, we we were firsthand, right? About what had to happen and how you had to handle it and how much compliance. So that organization that's in Sheboygan that hired their first person in LA and they want to know, there's no difference.
2: And you said, oh, that's a mistake. Was- <laughs> Sorry, everybody allowed-
0: from LA. <laughs> You're allowed to discriminate by geography. <laughs> that's not a protected class, yet, so no one from California. Um, the, but but the reality is again they wouldn't have a reason to know these things right these organizations't that's not their wheelhouse that's not their expertise so that compliance component married to the administration atom that you're talking about so that full employee life cycle we call it from offer to offboarding mm-hmm. right like so so if that ever happens right so um all the benefits of administration. We can we jump in, as you said, with payroll processing, we're jumping in with leave administration and leave management is a beast mm-hmm. in and of itself. It's, a, it's actually a, a, an entire department within our organization because of how complicated and complex it is to have someone who within an organization who really anecdotally you know, knows that there's four letters called FMLA who's responsible for this it's a big deal. And there's a lot more case law happening as a result of mismanagement of leave. And that's not to be scare tactic. That's just to sort of accentuate the fact that that's why this sort of uh, tandem of compliance and administration makes so much sense. Um, and so we'll manage that full employee life cycle, corrective action, but promotion management as well, right? Where does performance fit into that? But if somebody leaves, Helping with COBRA or helping with unemployment responses or, or verifications of employment, whatever these areas are, we're gonna, that's gonna sit in that bucket for us. Um, and it's it's a great gateway to build rapport and relationship, quite frankly. And so when we get involved with organizations at that level, it doesn't take very long before they're like well, what else do you do? Uh-huh. How, could we? Could you do this? How, could, how about this, right? And so that's where, uh, again, just to do the lay of the land, training and development is another area for us. So that's not only the things that are have to, right? Anti discrimination, mm-hmm. anti harassment, but growth opportunities. Adams, we see a lot of potential in Adam. How do we? How do we help? Oh, yeah. well, thank you. <laughs> that's
1: <is, laughs> <laughs> the first well, time I heard that right. time. This is
0: so a yeah, for example, uh, but the idea of like. What about his soft skills? Mm-hmm. Right. Adam, Adam's a, a, an employee, a, a line level employee right now. We have a we have a desire to promote him to supervisor. Well, he's a colleague last week. He's their supervisor next week. That's a little bit of a transition. Right. How does Adam get set up for success in that? And so helping to sort of develop that whole all learning management right, kind of fits into that bucket for us. Uh, third area is direct hire recruiting, which is connected back, right? They overlap so much, but there's an expertise in these areas. You can't just throw an ad on Indeed and say, gosh, I hope it sure. works out. It's, it's, you know, we're going to get 7,000 resumes. You, you know, 6,999, not having anything to do with the, yes. Yes. with the job that you're trying to fill, right? So, and again, not to kind of get into all of it, but that just gives you this idea of like, when you start touching on some of these initial blocking and tackling needs, it opens the door then right for more and more engagement.
2: Sure, Cause you've earned the trust. Yeah. I mean, I can see how the direct, um, the direct to hire stuff. I mean, a lot of times you have to do recruiting, but there's, there's just, there's a big portion of that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember one time the, the guy was aspiring to be a football couch. He couldn't even spell coach like on his, on his thing. I'm like, do we really need to be looking at these? Um, we could totally do a blooper reel on some of the stuff that, that yes. came our way. So what about in, in like, just kind of digging into a couple of those areas, I, I think the training one, you know, and, the you know, obviously on the HR front, there's some software packages that have good, you know, learning training modules there. I think where most um, places struggle, from, from my experience, is understanding, like, bands and how to move people along. Like, everybody wants to feel useful. Sometimes people want to create Trajectories and paths for people, but it's really hard to create those bright lines between moving from one to the other, um, because it's not just technical skills, like you mentioned. A lot of times, it's the soft skills. Those are the things that really move people up the upstream. It's you know, a lot of the technical stuff is kind of permission to play. Like, yeah, you're great at doing X, Y, Z, but can you manage people, or can you oversee a department, or can you do those things? So, do you also help them not just with like a soft skill? But do you also help them develop um, what those plans could look like or what those bands would look like? And then does that bleed into compensation also, like compensation planning or how does that? Yes,
0: to all of that. Right. So the idea. Sweet. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) uh, the, The idea there is it's a it's a really good question, because what we still see in so many organizations is Tom's Tom's here at line level, entry level employee. We like Tom. Tom then gets to move to senior X of the role that that he's doing. And then the next step is Tom to be manager. And the next step is Tom to be director. And the next step is Tom to be be BVP, hoping along the way for either turnover or death, because that's the only way Tom is going to move forward. Right? Oh, good, good job, Tom. You get to be director because Bob died last week. And so now we need somebody to be director. So, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, right. Make sure Tom was part of that first, and then, and then he can
2: have right. the position.
0: Yeah. 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 That, ID channel on cable, yeah. for You'll see the story. The, the, um, it's such a linear course that most organizations really map and say, well, we have career mapping. No, you have a right. career map. Right. A. That's not career mapping. It's a career map. Not everyone fits into that. And quite frankly, not everyone should fit into that. We see this most often uh, when we get involved with organizations in sales, when they say, you know, uh, Bobby was, he's great. I mean, he's killing it. Uh, And so we're going to make him sales manager. And what happens when Bobby becomes sales manager? He's terrible. He's horrible. It happens. It's a story as old as time. It happens over and over and over again. Why is that the case? Well, it's the same reason why all star superstar athletes are terrible coaches because they've been trained to be hunters and selfish and focused on what they bring to the game. The best coaches are often the people who sat the bench and were the B and C level player who learned how to have the lay of the land of the whole thing. So if you just keep telling the A-level person, you're next to be a manager, don't don't come to me and complain sure. that six months later, they're unhappy, they left, they got scooped up by a competitor because they want to get back to what they do well, which is, and I'm just going to, it is what it is, self-centered hunting that they're really good at. That's why they're the MVP, right? So um, we have to work with organizations to have, It used to be called something called dual ladder progression. Well, you can go this way or this way as you grow in the organization. But quite frankly, where we are right now, it can be three, four, five different paths that you can create. And with that, Adam, though, to your point, there's always um, thoughtfulness and we do quite a bit of work in compensation and pay equity analytics because uh, the market moves so much externally from a competitive standpoint. But we also find that internally, uh, it's out of whack, and and I think 2021 is an example, um, we were just overpaying all kinds of people to do all kinds of jobs and to to just get them. We needed the talent so badly. Sure, I'm going to give you ten thousand more than the job is even listed at because I need you. Right. Please say yes. What happens to the people in the organization who've been loyal, who are there? Their their trend for compensation increase just got crushed because because this person starting here. They may be making more right now, the experienced person, but as you look at it on you know math, and I know math is scary for HR people. In regression analytics, it, you're going to see that the longer you work for the company, the less beneficial it'll be for you. Is that what you want to be about? Well, we also have some states that are saying nope, you can't do that. Colorado, New Jersey—that I mean they're saying no, you can't do that. You, you got to make it equitable for the long term, not just for today that's hard to manage, right? When you're trying to figure out how to map people for a path forward and be thoughtful about how, how far you can stretch that dollar.
2: Right. Because again, like you said, though, a lot of times it's about how do you create headspace for somebody without the management path or the director path? Like how can you create room for growth, you know, professionally and, you know, and I know titles aren't everything, but they are to the people that don't have them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's a, it gets really easy to sit on the top of the mountain and go, oh, they don't matter, Well,
1: like, and i have like,
0: Adam, <laughs> congratulations. We're making you customer service manager three. And you're like, what's the three mean? Like, what is the, the and the HR people will say, well, we've got customer service one, customer service two, customer service three. I don't know that anybody goes home excited at night because there are two instead of a one now. I don't know what that means, right? But if that's, but if you can cast the picture Make, you know, somebody sit and help that individual have the same vision that you want to say the company has. We believe in you. The progression is not just about title. It's because of what you'll bring to that title to help us advance, which will then continue to open doors for you to continue to move forward. That's what we see in you. But quite frankly, the other path at times, and here's a, here's an example, Adam, very specific to to answer the question. Um there are times what we will say, uh, Jimmy's been here for three years. Jimmy's great. Uh, he needs to leave. Oh. <laughs> what? What? Jimmy's got to leave. Jimmy needs to go work for maybe a bigger competitor of yours so that Jimmy can pick up the skill sets that you're not prepared to offer at this point or you don't have exposure mm. to at this point, and And keep the door open. I know it's a risk. But if Jimmy goes and works somewhere for a year, year and a half, and boomerangs back, he's bringing everything with him that he's just learned where he was. The number of boomerang employees that that, uh, were tracked last year increased by 23% from the year before. People leaving, working elsewhere, and coming back because they love the company, but they understood that they could garner skill sets and experiences that they could bring back. And they wanted to come back to the community and culture that they were a part of. And now also bring back skill sets that they couldn't get if they had stayed there, and it benefits the company as well. That's huge to see that mm-hmm. kind of number happen of employees returning. Even at Humoriso, we we had two that left and returned within the past year. Wow. It's and it's way, awesome because what they brought back is. The way awesome. you're
1: describing it, John. Are you is your hypothesis that people were leaving with the intent of I'm going to get skill and come back? Not as much. I left. It was kind of cool, but then I looked, and the grass really was pretty green where i was yeah interesting
0: yeah i mean they're they're very transparent conversations and it's you, you can't everybody can't have these conversations meaning you know the major people that are like tom we think you should right. leave uh so you can learn something and then think about us in a year that don't take that person out of the room <laughs> yeah. immediately
2: oh i just wrote that down that's what i was going to do that might okay never mind I, Christ, thought
1: that I, <laughs> I
2: thought that was a tip
1: so yeah. you don't want me
0: but I- you sit with somebody and the, the premise of the conversation first is, what do you think you don't know yet? Mm. What are you observing that you're like, gosh, I wish I could. And you'll hear right from their mouth things that you can address and things that you okay. can't. And when you okay. get to the things that you can't, I ask the question, where do you think you could get that? Mm. If, if we can't give it, what could happen? Now, sometimes, again, this is why there's multiple ladders. Sometimes it's it is about um, a sabbatical mm. to go and exp- and do a training for a month on something specific, and I see this a lot more in those that are um, I'd say more physical type jobs, construction, manufacturing, certain kinds of engineering, where they go and do this sort of immersive mm. opportunity. I mean, I've even seen organizations pay for an employee to go on a missions trip to go build and engineer wells in certain parts of the world to bring water because what they were going to learn through the project management of that they could bring back and now have yeah. experience in that it's it's creative we have to be much more creative with with our talent today we just have-
2: so we should just lease employees and share them amongst each other i mean you were definitely a half glass uh, full kind of guy i would say my more pessimistic view of this and, and i'm kind of this guy so i i don't i don't despise or discredit anybody for this, but a lot of times what I find is that folks get to a certain point of their career, they feel like they should be taking two or three leaps yep. at a time instead yes, of for- one. And on paper, whenever competitor sees them, they're like, oh, wow, you're doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G? Like, whew we would pay yeah, you right. ten or $15,000 more for that. What they don't realize is what they wrote on paper and what they actually do or their competency inside of that. There's oftentimes a gap in the reason why you're not making that. So then they jump and then they get in over their head yeah. a little bit. And sometimes they realize the demand and the culture, like you said, of that other job isn't
0: quite what they had. That's, at listen, the first let me job. make sure I qualify this. When I said the statistic on Boomerang, there's no way to know if it was an intentional boomerang or a oh my gosh that grass was greener but it's all weeds and i'm coming back yeah right no way to know that so your point is well made and quite frankly there are people that i think are we have to be thoughtful about our time as well and that's one of the things we talk about with organizations You have fought to keep this person who's always been on the precipice of quitting for the last two years. You just keep wasting energy, fighting, increasing salary, giving them, changing their job description, really making this unicorn role for this person who's still not happy. Yes, John, what do you think we should do? Let him go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Totally. Look at the ROI of how much time you've spent on managing this one situation. Is it worth it?
1: I can't imagine that it is. I wonder how long your list is of hearing people, you know, Adam is indispensable. We couldn't get along without him. And once Adam is gone, you're like, wow, yeah. people are seem to be doing okay. And that just seems like it's such a long line of that. <laughs> <And list>. better. <laughs> Adam, is just an example.
0: <laughs> I, I, that's a great point because we, I will tell you, you see this um, and for us because we are supportive of organizations of all kinds of industries, right? So, so for instance, we support um, some CPA firms, and and this if this tax manager leaves, we're mm-hmm. screwed. Sure. The entire business will fall apart. But I'm hearing the same thing from restaurants that are saying, if this particular server leaves or bartender leaves, we're screwed. And I my you know my response is I hear you. Let's talk about how we are affirming that to be true for oh, uh, in the those in, those particular people. But what happens when that bartender does leave? Let's 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 not tell everybody it's going to be terrible if they leave. Mm-hmm. Just shut up. Stop saying things. Because if that bartender leaves and we're doing fine, now you can say, whoo, truth be told, I thought we were going to be in trouble if so-and-so left. But all those same customers are coming yep. in. Nobody's coming in and saying, oh, oh, you know, Billy's not bartending. Susan's not my server tonight. I, we're out of here. Right. Nobody's doing that. They're eating. Yep. They're drinking. So- the same thing with the tax manager. Is it I'm not saying it's easy, but if that if, if it's really true that if that tax manager leaves the entire companies in trouble, then you've set up your company mm-hmm. incorrectly.
1: Yeah. You know, John, as you talk yeah. about as you talk to prospective yeah. clients, I'm curious, is there a division in your business and more here's people who use us for HR outsourcing as sort of a you're my virtual HR if that's a term you use, as opposed to mm-hmm. more project related where people are coming in saying, Okay, in the next X number of months can you deliver something and the thought is you'll leave after that
0: yeah yeah um it's typically i would say though not always typically uh the larger clients i'll say upper mid-market to enterprise level uh organizations sized organizations we're doing a lot more projects okay. for them and so um we're we're taking something off the 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 a, a project that an hr team's trying to get to but can either because they don't have the expertise or the time. Um, and so we'll do that. And then we're just always at the ready if they need us for something else in the future. I'll say we see a lot of that work being done in um, diversity, equity, inclusion mm-hmm. work that we do for these organizations, overall organizational design and development, um, constructs around mergers and acquisitions, centralized, decentralized organization changes, those kinds of things. Um, but sometimes, honestly, Tom, we'll get even small company, very small companies, startups that are like, we're kind of afraid to have HR because, you know, HR has been terrible for all of us where we've come from. And so we don't want to like completely commit to HR. So can you do this project and just do a handbook for us because our insurance broker says in order to have liability insurance, we have to have a handbook. Okay, we'll we'll do that. And then they go through that process and they're like, okay, you guys aren't so bad. Thank you.
2: Uh, Yeah. Or they're like, you guys are terrible. Yeah. Thanks, but you know, honestly, it's, <laughs> no, I'm just it's, kidding. Of course it's, not. It's, that does
0: happen because sometimes we are like, we don't like the way you wrote this handbook. What, what part? You know, we don't like the way that you wrote the um, Americans with Disabilities mm. portion. Okay, here's the good news. We didn't write that. It's actually law. <laughs> and so if you want there to be a change in the way that law reads, I'd encourage you to vote differently <laughs> in the next day. You're smooth. <laughs> I like it. Yes. <laughs> I, I guess,
2: That's kind of how we approach tax a lot of times. (laughs) Same kind of thing, not us. I can
0: can own what I can own, but when I can, I'm going to just tell you, like, you don't, well, we don't want, we don't want to give them 12 weeks. We only want to give them six weeks of leave. Well, that's cool, but the law says 12. Well, we're changing it to six. Well, then our name's not going to be on this handbook. That's not the way this works, right? (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense. (laughs) For the outsourced HR part, Would it be common that people would say, I'm going to continue working with, uh, we mentioned Gusto earlier. So Gusto will continue doing my payroll and I'll have benefits with someone. Can you provide sort of the high level? That would be also something we'd say, yes, if you're needing the guidance consulting, we do that too.
0: We don't mandate any software, right? So we're supporting clients that are on Gusto actually, that are on Bamboo, that are on ADP, that are on Paycom, that are on, you know, f- fill in that that part is okay with us because we're agnostic yep. when it comes to the technology. We're agnostic when it comes to the industry. So we have to be agnostic when it comes to the technology. So for instance, we support um, car dealerships. Hmm. They have very specific software. Interesting. And even mm-hmm. even some of the payroll software is very specific. Some of their training software is very specific. We have to be able to be flexible to those platforms because good HR, if you're doing good HR, it's applicable across the board. Don't let the systems throw you, right? You can learn the system. It's harder to learn good HR and implement good HR. So we, don't, we try not to let people get in the weeds with that. The only difference I would say, Tom, for some clients would be on that PEO model. So some clients that are on a PEO, they, they get HR support as part of the PEO. Mm-hmm. So I do my hair. Right. In- yes.
2: In- yes. Um, <laughs> and so- yeah. Been on the other end of that.
0: Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Understood. So um, obviously, that PEO is mandating the payroll platform and benefits and that sort of stuff. Um, because we don't sit as a PEO, there are times where a client will have to peel away from the PEO in order to be able to to not have competing HR. Right. We're not here to, like, you know, speak ill of Trinet or Insparity or any of these places. That's not what it's about. But you already are paying for an HR support. So if you're coming to me saying we're not getting HR support, I I I have to still function because they're the employer of record on the pay stubs and their name is what's there. So I can't ignore Mm -hmm. them.
2: Yeah. Right. So in terms of size-wise, I mean, I've, I've, what I've heard you say, too, is like very small startup company, and I've heard you say enterprise. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of the majority of the folks that are coming to you, at what point, like what size, I assume it's, you know, headcount, yeah. um, and what size are you typically uh,
0: We're We're a little over 65% or between 50 and 500 employees. Okay. Okay. A lot of okay. You know, of, the re- of the kind of the regular project or retain based HRO type, yeah, that's about where
1: they right. are. Yep.
2: Yeah, I, I, we find that for ours, it's like, I don't know why, it's just like the magic numbers right around 30 or 35. Um, and it, so this makes a lot of sense to me because obviously there's that magic 50 number that everybody hears about. But um, but it seems like the COO is the one doing operations, HR, and finance to some degree, whether that's the owner COO right. or an actual, you know, so they have, they wear all three of those hats and it seems right around 30, 35, they've raised their hand up and they're like, okay, I can still handle the HR stuff. I can't handle the finance stuff. So then they find us around 30 to 35 people. And then right around 50 people, they're like, okay, now we're getting to the size where it's time to talk to a PEO or it's time to talk to an outsource solution, you know, to start piecemealing that out. So I think that, I mean, I, that lands well with like what we see too from a lot of our Correct. clients um, asking us to do those sources, you know, or find somebody that can and do it. I
0: think you're right. Cause by the time it gets to us um, at that size, um, the finance person is is trying to wear the hat of HR as well. And most finance people respectfully are, you know, Hate it, and they really stuck with it yes, because of yes. payroll, and so they're like, hey, right. that's that's why.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think like no, a great, great solution that you offer. And Adam and I do coaching of small CPA firms, but any company would have this. But as people try to move in a different direction, so many people are moving toward that advising role. Often, what we're coaching people mm. is think about who the right people are in doing that kind of thing for the role. Think about your internal pay for how you pay people and all these things that are very HR related and knowing you would have that service. I'm sure it's overwhelming to them to say, and also your hiring process, yeah. are you good at hiring the right people? I could see them reaching out to you and saying, okay, I want to move a different direction. I'm hearing all these to-dos and don't know how. I could see them coming to you and yes. saying, here's what I think the future looks like. Help me with that. I think is a great resource for them to have.
0: Absolutely. Totally. And and I think that that one of the probably the most refreshing things mm-hmm. that happens in those conversations is literally just having the conversation. Oh, interesting! Yeah. Like when they feel they can sit with somebody and just say, this is what I think I see. Mm-hmm. This is, this is honestly how it feels when I see this. Cause there are times where they'll talk to us and I'll say, you don't oh, need us. That's not what you're describing. What you, what you see is this, this, and this, let, you know, we can help you get there, but you don't need us the way that you think you do. Here's what, and, and, That's honestly, for that person, it's like, honestly, 90% of it is I've heard and I didn't know where to go with this. And the other 10% is, okay, now I have sort of marching orders to know where to go with it. That's great. Great.
1: That's good. John, this has been so enjoyable. Thank you very much. We've gotten some really good tips. And I think also an offering that you have that many companies would look and say, oh, I need to talk to them about either ongoing service or a specific project that's in there.
0: It's been great. Thank you for having me. Really, it's been fun enjoy this podcast visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern cpa firm success we're
1: here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry